Welcome to the next episode of Perspectives with Jeremiah Stevenson, and I'm your host, Jeremiah Stevenson. As always, I say, let's jump right on to it. And today's guest is Jason McDonald, the CEO of Drama Inc., actor, philanthropist, wonderful human being all around. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. We've been trying to schedule this for a little bit. I know. It's been crazy, right? And no, it's totally cool because... I had another guest, I think two months ago, we were trying to get something together and I usually ask people about a month or I'm sorry, a week in advance. Oh. And so he was like, let me give me a month in advance. So he, he was a comedian and he was like, I'm doing all this stuff. And so we missed the first time and then I was like, let's try and do it again this time. And we missed that time. So I was like, I'm just going to come back to you when you're not as busy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, I'm glad it worked out okay. yeah. here now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's a beautiful uh, fall night. And, yeah. Uh, I'm actually really happy that. The weather is finally feeling like fall. It so, seems so trite to talk about the weather, but it has been brutal. It has <laughs> been, been awful. Too hot. Yeah. And I'm really ready for it to stop. Yeah. I cannot wait for winter, but fall is such a nice... It's it gorgeous right now. ...happiness and just breeziness. Yeah. Being yeah. able to do anything. I just bought some pumpkins on my way over here that Ooh. I'm going to surprise my wife with when nice. I get home. Are you going to carve them or are you going to do anything with Maybe. them? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. She likes them for decoration on the front okay. porch. So. Very nice. Yeah. Do you ever do the cinnamon sticks and like wave them around the house? You can mm-hmm. usually get them at like... Um, I think Publix or Kroger or something like that. But it, we used to do as a family, we would go and just like wave cinnamon sticks oh, around the house. That's and interesting. it has this nice smell of fall. Oh. Cinnamon sticks and just clear skies is what we fall got, is. We me. got uh, that corn. I guess they call it Indian corn. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and we hung it on the door one year and the squirrels like just had a... It was gone. Like <laughs> in two days, we all they ate it all. Well, for Christmas, we would get live trees and afterwards, we had a preserve right in our backyard. Mm. So after Christmas, we put it on our back porch. We'd put... Uh, garland up with popcorn and just random things and we'd watch birds come and create homes for it oh yeah, so cool. it was really nice wow, instead of nice. just like throwing it away we'd just let nature have it Love and it. then at some point we throw it away right you have to yeah <laughs> jason yes our first question okay as always is who are you and what is your story oh man who am i um <laughs> it's uh I'm a little boy from Canada who um, had a big dream to be an actor. Um, I saw a production of Wizard of Oz on stage when I was eight or nine, and it profoundly changed my life. Mm. Um, In the end, when the farmhands are there, uh, I noticed one of the farmhands had a little touch of silver makeup on the side of his face, Mm. and I made the connection that he actually played the Tin Man as well. And it was like a light bulb moment for me. And I was like, I want to do that. Yeah, I want to. I want to play. Um, and uh, it was a tumultuous time uh, in my personal life as a child. There were we were uh, my parents were separated, and we were uh, my dad and my brother were in Canada. My mom and I were in San Diego. It was, uh, and then we ended up going back to Canada, and and my parents reconciled. Thank God, they're still together wow, fifty some odd years really later. Cool. Um, but it was a. It, at that time in my life when I was very vulnerable and scared and uh, I, I saw this play and I, and I was like, that could be my thing. And it became, the theater became my safe zone, you know? Yeah. So my mom enrolled me in classes. We had one um, professional equity theater in our town and she got me in classes there and, and the rest is history. So actor, um, vagabond, uh, <laughs> moved to New York when I was 18, um, Lived there for six years, moved to L.A. for six years, moved back to New York for 10 more years, um, moved down to Atlanta, and I've been here 12 years. Oh, and, wow. Nice. Um, so 
you know, the actor's journey, we just, we go wherever the work is. Yeah. Uh, as a side gig, I've been in restaurants for years. Ooh. Um, yeah. Talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, done everything from busboy to server to uh, major d to um, bar manager, bartender. Became, I got my wine captain certificate in New York, and I was the wine captain at a fancy restaurant. And what does a wine captain do? It's like a sommelier. I, okay. Um, it, you just, you know everything about wine, and you go to the tables and talk about the wine, and okay. you try to sell the really expensive bottles. And, <laughs> nice. And Drink you, the wine. You decant them, and you know, it's all very fancy. <laughs> yeah. Um, then moved down to Atlanta, and uh, actually... Started working at a restaurant here and became a partner, became an owner. So for seven years, I owned a restaurant in Atlanta, co-owned, um, and was still acting at the same time. But I've been out of the restaurant business now for six and a half years. I'm very, very happy. Um, <laughs> people have approached me and wanted to see if I'd be interested in going in on a restaurant. I'm like, no, that I I think that chapter of my life is done. Yeah. Um, you know, dealing with the public can be amazing and it can also be soul crushing at times. Mm-hmm. You know, people can in the public service, you know, when you're when you're in the service industry, um, you know, you see the you see the best and the worst. The best and worst. So. Yeah. I always told people growing up, I mean, I'm still young, but <laughs> growing up and I always tell people the first job any teenager should have, I feel, is learn how to lifeguard because you're learning how to deal with people's lives. Like you have life or death in your hands. Yeah. It's a very huge thing to put on a young person, sure. but I still think that it builds a lot of character and a lot of responsibility and it shows you kind of the life <laughs> like you are in control of this person living or dying yeah. in that situation if that were to happen. Sure. Um and how to be prepared for such things. And then go into the service industry. That way you learn how to deal with people from all steps and all walks of sure. life and how to interact with different attitudes, uh, be it aggressively terrible or wonderfully phenomenal. Yeah. You get to see in one day you have so many different perspectives of people's lives. Yeah. And I think that's uh, invaluable. I think it's an invaluable aspect and it's an invaluable skill set to have. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the restaurant business does draw in, you know, a certain transient type a lot of the times and, and, um, definitely saw some sides of addiction and, Mm -hmm. uh, actually had one of a cook who worked with me, uh, the restaurant I owned, he, he, he had shot up on his shift and he started nodding off while making sandwiches and I had to pick him up off the floor. Uh, same guy had bailed him out of jail about two months before that. Hmm. Um, and chose to believe that what he told me that he wasn't really buying drugs in the Taco Bell parking lot, but yeah. he was. <laughs> Taco um, Bell. <laughs> so you know, it's interesting. I mean, it, who 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 knew that the restaurant industry would would teach me so many lessons? And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but some amazing people. Um, so yeah, actor. Restaurants were a part of my life. I'm a big dog rescue person, yes, along with my wife I've Catherine Dyer. Uh, yeah. We're involved with Lifeline Animal Project, and um, Catherine and I are the. I'm going to put air quotes here. Celebrity uh, <laughs> host of Atlanta Lab Rescue's annual benefit. Um, and this year we raised $30,000 at, oh, wow, at the benefit. So it, um, Atlanta Lab Rescue, um, they don't just save labs, but mostly big dogs. Mm-hmm. And our, our dog, Bo, came, they saved him from on his euthanasia date. Oh, they wow. pulled him from um, an animal shelter here in outside of Atlanta. How long have you had Bo? Um, th- th- three. It'll be three years in like February. So, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So um, yeah, animals, uh, and then Drama Inc. Uh, <laughs> you know, we started this business with my wife and Claire Bronson and Scott Poitras, and uh, 
it's remarkable how you have an idea for something. And I had the idea for Drama Inc. for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, while I had the restaurant, I had it on paper, I had a business plan, and I had the logo for like four years before we opened. Like oh, I wow. knew, I knew I wanted to do this. It was yeah. just finding the timing. And um, I was trying to buy my partner out of the restaurant. And what I wanted to do was buy her out, set up a team to run the restaurant, and then I was going to open Drama Inc. But my partner was an unpredictable person. That's the <laughs> nicest thing I can say. Um, and she reneged on her, the deal to have me buy her out. And so I said, well, then I'm leaving. And uh, my shares were pretty much worthless for reasons I won't go into. I got out with the shirt on my back and that was it mm. um, after seven years. And I had I had approached several friends about investing in in the restaurant mm -hmm. to when I was trying to buy, when I was buying my partner out and I came back to those four people, five people and said, okay, here's the deal. I don't need X amount of dollars anymore. I only need like 10% of that because okay. we're doing a different business. <laughs> and they were like acting studio. Okay. Let's, I just saved let, you 15% or more in car insurance. Exactly. <laughs> um, and interestingly, I don't know, this is a weird side note. Um, all five of our investors are gay women at Drama mm -hmm. Inc. And it wasn't by design. It mm -hmm. was just the people I approached and our friends happened yeah. to be. <laughs> so two married couples uh, and then a single um, friend. And uh, we we made this. We didn't think about it until like a while later. We were like, wait a minute. Like all of our money came from, from gay <laughs> women. We're so progressive. Uh, <laughs> Um, they've all been paid back since, by the way. Um, <laughs> so Drama Inc., yeah, it's been a dream come true. I mean, you think about, we started in this thousand square foot space and the idea was just to do some classes and do audition tapings. And it was just the four of us teaching at the beginning and that was it. Um, and we were we were teaching and we were doing the tapings and that was mm -hmm. it for the first year. And then we brought on Alex Collins and we brought on Dave Pileggi in the mm -hmm. beginning and, and um, you know, then Jerry Tubbs and then uh, Aaron Burns and... Now we have 28 people who have keys to our <laughs> to our uh, studio. Um, you know, I sent an email out yesterday, a company wide email. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so many people on this list. You yeah. know, uh, between teachers, tapers, and then we have um, we have eight interns as well. Okay. So Very nice. Um, it's 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 amazing. It's an amazing family. Mm. And when I imagined the business before we opened it. Uh, I had all positive thoughts and good thoughts and, you know, we'll be doing classes, but I didn't, I didn't foresee the bonds and the family that would be, mm -hmm. that would come out of it. The people yeah. who have become best of friends, mm -hmm. the people who are roommates now, the people who have hooked up, the people <laughs> who we have one uh, potential marriage coming oh, up. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, it's kind of exciting and, and, and the creative side of it, mm -hmm. the people who have created content, who are doing web series and they're doing short films and they're working together because they met at Drama Inc. Yeah. And I just freaking love that. That's it's, awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. So I want to piggyback off of family. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit more about your childhood. If that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, as a kid, your parents being separated, what was that like for you? Was that knowing that they got back together now what do you kind of see retrospectively as a child how did that affect you before they got back together um i've always been incredibly close to my mother um and i adore both my parents um and so we had li I, I was born in canada we lived there and my mom's brother had a business in san diego and he'd wanted my dad to go into business with him so we had applied for our green cards 
uh, and we were waiting for them to come through and then they came through it took a year or whatever I remember as a kid like going to, into like big Toronto like a big city and <laughs> going to this office at the US Embassy and getting like you know things stamped and it was yeah. like so exciting <laughs> I'm um, and then and then we packed up and we drove um to san diego we left canada and said goodbye to everyone and it was bizarre and then we got out there and my uncle was under indictment oh wow and that's wow. that's a whole that's more than a podcast <laughs> that is another book uh, full um, my favorite uncle was a bit of a grifter, um, some phony investment schemes and stuff. Um, but just a great guy to me. So mm-hmm. anyway, so we got out there and uh, my dad's money he'd been sending him for a year was gone. And, uh, so after about two months, my dad said, oh, I'm going back to Canada. Yeah. I'm done. And, he, and, uh, my brother, my brother, older brother, three years older, Malcolm, um, he has cerebral palsy. Uh, and my dad said, well, I'm taking Malcolm with me mm. because of healthcare in Canada and all of that. Yeah. And so they left. Um, and interestingly at my age now trying to like, I have no recollection. I was eight or nine, like I said, and I don't remember the day they left. Like I don't remember a big really? dramatic hug and driving mm-hmm. away. I don't remember any of that. Hmm. I do remember when my mom and I finally drove back to Canada. Okay. What was that like? What was that experience? Uh, we were with my uncle and his wife, my aunt, and um, he was basically running from the law. <laughs> and we were in a silver Cadillac Fleetwood towing an Airstream trailer across the country. And um, back in those days, you would go to a hotel and use a credit card and they would call like mm-hmm. for approval number, mm-hmm. right? As before, like they had all the swipey things. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were at a hotel and the person behind the desk said, I'm sorry, Mr. Watson, um, uh, I've been instructed to take your credit card away. Ooh. And <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I've talked to my mother about it since, and she said that happened more than once along the trip. Oh, wow. He had several credit cards. And she said, by the time we got to Columbus, Ohio, he was out of credit cards. Oh, wow. Um, and then we drove over the border in Detroit, and we ended up back in my hometown, which is halfway between Detroit and Toronto. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there I was. My dad had rented an apartment on the same street where we had lived before. Wow. So it was just bizarre. It was like yeah. coming back. And I didn't want to go back. Mm-hmm. I loved San Diego. I loved California. I had always had a fascination with... And you can only understand this if you're from another country. Like, mm-hmm. But I always had a fascination with the United States. I was yes. just like, America. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I always knew I'd end up back here. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we moved back and, you know, things worked great with my parents and, you know, my brother is an incredible human being. Um, but I think for my parents raising a, a handicapped child at a time when there weren't a lot of resources, mm-hmm. right? We're talking the 70s, yeah. you know? Um, I always said to my mom, you should, you should write a book because you, you were a pioneer. Mm-hmm. He was honestly... He was in a place called, or elementary school called the Crippled Children's Center. Wow. That's what it was called. Oh, wow. Like, that's so on PC, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was there for kindergarten and first grade. And then my mom said, no, he's going to regular school mm-hmm. because he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Brilliant yeah, mind. He just can't, it's just the physical part. Mm-hmm. So he ended up going to elementary school and, you know, winning all the awards and going to high school and being on student council every year. I mean, just a great, nice. great human being. He was able to flourish. That's yeah. Awesome. And he went to college. He's the only one of us that went to college. Um, cool. Uh, what did he study? He got his degree in um, an honors degree in English Lit. Oh, so wow. he's nice. yeah, he's very well read. <laughs> um, he's a writer. Nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, things with my parents were 
they were up and down for a long time. Like there was always tension in the house Mm -hmm. and we didn't have money. I think that's one of those things people always assume. People assume things about me, Mm -hmm. particularly, you know, like, oh, well, you know, he's probably had it easy all his life. And it's like, actually, Actually, it's not that Hot Wheels track. I mean, (laughs) we were never hungry, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we had clothes, uh, but as a kid, they were always secondhand. It's it's funny because Catherine jokes now because I won't go into Value Village. And I'm like, (laughs) I spent my childhood in In Value Value Village, Village, right? Like picking my clothes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, not okay so much as an adult. Yeah. Um, but, you know, always a strong, strong bond. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my parents are very progressive, very liberal. Um, and I grew up in a country that is known for being a little bit more progressive and a little bit more uh, liberal-minded mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, yeah, there's right-wing wackos everywhere. But um, <laughs> it, I think it it really served me well. Um, yeah. And... So that when I moved to New York at 18, there wasn't really a culture shock, mm-hmm. even though it was amazingly different from where I was from. Right. Um, I'd grown up with, you know, a pretty diverse. I mean, if you know the Toronto area, you know, yeah, it's a pretty it's diverse city. Um, no, is there a lot of French speaking Canadians mm-mm. around Toronto? No, not okay. French. No. Okay. A lot of uh, people from Haiti, Jamaica. Oh, wow. Um, a lot of uh, people from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Um Trinidad, yeah. So you had a good a mix. exposure yeah. to a lot of different cultures. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's still... To an extent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I felt like I did. I felt like... It's interesting, though, because the only... When I moved to New York City, I had... I don't think I'd ever met someone from a Latin country. Ah. Right? <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> this is new. So tell me, Puerto Rico is where? What? <laughs> like, a little education on that. But, yeah. Uh, and then I started working in restaurants with... Uh, Guys from Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. Colombia, uh, Ecuador, Peru, Guatemala. You know, it was like a real mix. Yeah. So your family, your parents getting back together. Because when we connect this back yeah, to yeah, Drama yeah. Inc., um, what was that like? How old were you when they got back together? What was that whole little situation? <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so most people won't know this. But in the 70s, there was a, a guy named uh, Tony, Orlando, Tony Orlando and Don were his two backup singers. Tony Orlando and Don. He was a huge had a huge hit in the 70s called Tie a Yellow Ribbon, right? And the lyrics went, Tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree if you still want me. It was like a a signal to a lover that I'm still interested. I tie a yellow ribbon. So my mom and I roll back. We've driven from San Diego to just outside of Toronto, right? So that's 3,000 miles (laughs) uh, in this Cadillac. (laughs) And we pull up in our street, and it's winter. And there's yellow ribbons tied around all three of the trees. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I remember that just as, just as a kid going, wow, my dad's really kind of romantic. That's, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's right? really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I haven't told that story <laughs> ever. Um, so cool. Yeah, so, you know, I think at nine, I was like, okay, all mm-hmm. right, they're going to work it out. And, you know, they've had their ups and downs as we all have. I mean, I've been married Longer than you've been alive, probably. Yeah. So, um, uh, yes, for those that don't know me on the podcast, I'm 88 years old. Um, that's really sweet. The reason why I wanted to go back to that, and whenever you said that they did end up rekindling everything, and being able to watch them sort out their issues and their kind of grievances and differences, how did that affect your marriage when you mm. got old enough to become... A man with a wife and a wife with a man. 
How did I love talking to people about when they were younger, watching their parents, and then being an adult now, and especially if they've kind of followed in the same steps in different ways. How did you see your parents' relationship affect your current relationship? That's an amazing question. Um, I, and I think I'm following the path of my parents as far as longevity. I've been married for 28 and a half years. Congratulations. Oh, I know, crazy, right? <laughs> um, yeah, Catherine and I met in October of 1988 in New York City. Um, and we moved in together in February of 1990. In New York, and we got married in May of '91. So yeah, nice. it's been a long time. Um, <laughs> I think what I saw with my parents, and I see it especially now that they're older, and I'm very, very thank God that they're still they're 82 and they're you know still living independently, and uh, I'm thankful every day for that. Uh, and I, I pray for them. I pray for that to continue. Yeah, um, they're the best of friends, mm. and I can say that about my relationship with Catherine. Um, she is my absolute best pal. Like anything that happens good, she's the first person I want to tell. Anything that happens that hurts my heart, she's the first person I want to tell. <laughs> um, because I know she'll she'll be there, you know, to to comfort. And that that's an amazing feeling. Um, and it's not to say that our marriage is perfect. Right. right. I mean, Absolutely. We've, we've had, you know, in, in 28 years, ups and downs, and we've almost thrown in the towel a few times. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just, that just happens. Yeah. But I think... I don't want to be holier than thou, uh, but I think I see a lot of people give up on their marriage too soon, and they mm -hmm. don't. And you have to, you have to tough out the really hard stuff, and you have to fight it out and work it out. Not, I don't mean fight it out, but you, right. you have to fight through it, yes, um, and and work it out and find common ground. And sometimes you've got to back off mm -hmm. and give mm -hmm. and and not always have to be right. You know, so, yeah. uh, and that's hard for me. <laughs> Ask my business partners. Oh yeah. Um, I know that. So, so yeah, I think just having someone in your life who, who you love, uh, but who is just your, your closest confidant. I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, I know, I know married couples who have separate finances and have separate people that they go to is like their go-to people. And I'm like, okay, I mean, as long as it works for you, mm -hmm. but for me, I can't imagine running to anyone else but Catherine with with news. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Anytime anyone wants to book something or something or something exciting happens or or the dogs do something silly, it's like you know, <laughs> let's share this together. Exactly, you, you yeah. the life that you get to share together. And you know, I posted a photo this morning on Instagram. I'm I'm, I'm kind of big on on celebrating our history, and I posted a photo this morning from 1990. Uh, uh, of us together with a dog that we I had in New York that. at the time. I did see that. And then I posted one from last year with our current dog, Bo. And it's like, you know, it's kind of amazing. And I, I look at that photo of us when, when I was 21 and it's like, wow, we have really, mm. we have a history and that's exciting. It's, it's, uh, I'm proud of it. Yeah. I'm absolutely. really proud of it. One of the things I've been doing recently, um, and this is just a little tangent off of history is I've been going back and, collecting all my family photos. I've been trying to remember what specific songs I've been doing this thing. It's like Jeremiah's life soundtrack. And I'll go through, let's say 2016, my mom passed away. Mm. So I've been able to like, Oh, I remember listening to this song and this song a lot because I love music and I've been traveling or not traveling. I've been, I love music and I've been trying to 
compile what I listen to so that when I have kids at some point or just friends who want to listen, I'll be like, oh, this is kind of like where I was at sonically. And you can yeah. kind of hear this overarching story. Mm. So I'll take like two songs a month um, and then keep adding it and adding it. So I'll have 24 songs or no, did have 48 songs in a year. I'm like, this is like 2018's Jeremiah soundtrack. And so oh, I'm doing cool. that again because I just started dating my girlfriend, Leah, this past. We started dating in April. We met in February. We just celebrated our six-month anniversary yeah. this past Sunday. And that was really nice. And she introduced me into a whole new world of music that I'd never listened to. Mm. So now that I have time to kind of sit down, because I'm a uber busy person, I've been able to kind of note like oh i've been listening to this song for like the last six months with her but i remember this is the first time i heard it and then she started playing this song way more and then this song never really affected me until like two weeks ago and i'm Mm. like oh wow this is crazy so i i think that being able to look back into your past and i think that allows you to continue to grow because if you're just kind of in the moment and you're consistently and always like, I got to do what's next. What's the next yeah, big thing? What's right. the next big thing? Yeah. You don't get to take time to appreciate where you have come from. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot of people that just kind of like, ah, I'm busy. I'm doing things. Right. And that's someone is me sometimes. Sure. But always. being able to step back and you're kind of like, okay. I don't need to fret too much because I see where I've come from and I see the things that I've done and I've done a lot yeah. and I forget, I tend to forget a lot of the stuff that I've done. And I think it's really, really empowering to be able to look into yourself and see, Hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like I can keep going from here. Yeah. Yeah. And music is, um, we have amazing connections to music, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, uh, it's funny cause we talk about it in our acting cause Catherine uses music a lot in her acting. Um, really? You know, when she has to do an emotional scene, she has certain songs that are triggers for her mm-hmm. uh, that have to do with both, you know, both of her parents have passed and connections to them. Mm-hmm. And um, she can get to an emotional place <laughs> pretty darn quickly with yeah. music. Um, yeah, I do playlists. Um, every time I'm in Los Angeles, I do a playlist. So I have my L.A. 2017 mix, my 2018 summer nice. mix, my 2018 winter mix. Um, and it just takes me to specific moments mm-hmm. great moments so yeah. yeah i get it with music yeah. um hmm. finishing up family yeah when did you kind of realize drama inc was a family for you when, mm. when did it turn from business to family well claire and scott our business partners you know we were friends with them first and we founded this in, informally what we call the um the Porch Winos Club because <laughs> they have a screened-in porch and we have a screened-in porch and we live about a mile from each other. Oh, so wow, we, that's awesome. We would meet. We're like, where are we having wine tonight? Um, <laughs> and that's where, you know, we became friends with them and then I told them about Drama Inc. And they had already, they were doing self-taping. They were one of the first people to do, offer self-taping in this oh, market wow. to actors. They were doing it out of their home and they were doing real editing before anyone else. Oh, wow. And so they were like, well, we could add this to you, to the business and we've taught acting and so it was like a no-brainer it was like yeah let's we'll be better with four of us yeah um and four actors who i i think are you know the four of us have pretty strong resumes and have been in this market for a while and people know us so we were very powerful together joining Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. um and um yeah uh they were so they were family already and then just more and more and I want to just go back for a second what you were saying about um, looking at your past because 
It is right. It, it, what you said is absolutely so true as far as people just thinking about what's next, what's next, what's next, like looking up that ladder, next rung, next mm-hmm. rung, next rung. And then there are people who live too much in the past, right? Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, God, it was so much better when I was in college. <laughs> um, and you need to find that happy medium, which is living in the present, which is so hard for humans, period, very right? So. I mean, very much what, so. What's the, you know, the famous line from Our Town? So does anyone ever really know life when they're living it or something? I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Fred and Wilder fans, I'm, yeah. I'm murdering the quote. But, um, <laughs> you know, that, that trying to be in the present. Because I worry about things in the future, right? I worry about my parents. I worry mm-hmm. about my brother. Um, but I can't. There's nothing right now that I can do to that's going to affect that. Yeah, you know they're they're safe, they're warm, they're they're <laughs> you know they have everything they need, and and just loving them and communicating with them. I talk to them almost daily. Yeah, uh, my mom and dad. That's awesome. Um, you know, and for me, for for to look at where I came from, and I said at the beginning, you know, this little Canadian boy. Uh, you know, I didn't go to college. A lot of people don't know that. People never assume that about me. Uh, I I am a voracious reader. Um, you know, I've... Um, <laughs> I'm not dumb. No, uh, um, no I mean, I'm a pretty sharp guy and I, I yeah. read a lot and I've, I've covered a lot. And, and I, had a, I had a hang-up for a long time about not going to college. I, yeah. had, I had an education hang-up. Um, my first girlfriend in New York had just graduated from Brown University, Ivy League school. And I went to a party with her. Uh, her brother had gone to Harvard and some girl came up to me. She's like, so did you go to Harvard with all these guys? And I was like, no. no I'm just here. I'm just uh, <laughs> the hick from Canada. Um you know, so I had a hang up for, and then I, I had a girlfriend in New York uh, who went to Middlebury College in Vermont, and she gave me her um, freshman year reading list. Oh, wow. She said, read all these books. Oh, wow. And I did. Yeah. I was, you know, uh, D.H. Lawrence and Fitzgerald and Hemingway and on and on and on and on. And uh, so that sort of, you know, I was like, well, okay, I just finished first year of college. Yeah. And- <laughs> I didn't go to college either. Oh. I was homeschooled all the way through. And then uh, I applied to three schools. Two accepted me, but I didn't have the money. I was going to do the scholarships for it and everything. And then I was like, eh. I knew film was what I wanted to do. And I was on set for one of Ben Affleck's movies. And I was just an extra. And I was just watching all the production assistants, the lighters, the grips. Like, I was just watching everybody. And I just started talking to people. And then one of the guys, I was talking to him. And I was like, well, I was going to go to this school and this school. And he's like, don't do that. If you're going to do film, and at the time, I was like, I want to be behind the camera. He was like, you don't need to necessarily do that. Right. Like, here's my information. Just keep talking to people and yeah. then just go from yeah. there. And so that's kind of how I ended up in Atlanta is just following what I had always been doing because I've been doing little film things since I was like 13. And then within the small town, there's like a little production company that I used to help out with all the time. Okay. So I was able to... And I was always teaching myself because my, my last year of high school, I didn't do anything school work wise. I was teaching myself how to do 3D editing and mm. editing in Premiere and doing all these just whatever it was like, I want to make this today. I was like, let's figure out how to do it. So like, I definitely get that. And my girlfriend, she just graduated. Yeah. She graduated Oglethorpe University. And so, and I was in performance she, and no, no, no oh. in Marketing and uh-huh. marketing and no politics with a minor in marketing. Smart girl. Yeah. So she was like, oh yeah, 
this is cool. And she just got her first big girl job. She's been saying that for the last month. Awesome. And that just recently kind of became a thing because she was kind of scared. She's like, are you going to keep like progressing and doing things? I was like, this is my past. Like, this is everything I've done. I'm never going to stop. I can't do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. if I don't continue to grow, I'm just going to like, oh, like, yeah. not be a person. Yeah. It's just, I can't do that. And so that was one of her fears. So we were able to sit down and talk about like, what are your plans? Where, how are you going to achieve whatever you think is next? And there's like a lot of stuff I have bubbling up in different little corners, but like the podcast is this podcast for me this year is to show that I can do something on my own for myself Mm -hmm. and complete it over a period of time. And so it's not just this is the podcast that I do. (laughs) It's like proof to myself that I can do something and create something on a bigger scale and, I can follow through. Yeah. And so like, that's yeah. what this is for me. I'm like, yeah. it's not four years, but I mean, yeah. I'm the one that's having to reach out to people. I'm the one that's having to edit everything and figure out how to do it. And I don't know if I would have done that in college, but yeah. I'm able to prove like, not necessarily prove. Cause I don't feel like I have to prove anything to anybody, but it, I'm able to show a resume of, Hey, I am a worker. Sure. Like yeah. I will do what I have yeah. to do to get things done. Yeah. And I don't know. <sighs> I don't want to diss higher education, but right. when an actor tells me they're going to go to, they're applying to an MFA program, I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Why not just get out there and, and try and do some work? Yeah. Uh, and, and there's all kinds of valuable things that you learn. I mean, so I moved to New York City at 18 uh, to go to Circle in the Square Theater School. I had applied to four theater schools, Circle in the Square, Neighborhood Playhouse, the National Theater School of Canada in Montreal, and the Vancouver Playhouse. I got accepted at Vancouver. And circle in the square. And my mom said, you're going to New York City. I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> and they scrimped and saved and borrowed and um, got me there. And I I got a job as soon as I, I worked at uh, I worked at Banana Republic hey. uh, when it was still like a safari clothing store. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, got out of theater school. It's a two-year program. And um, we always, all four of us say this, the Drama Inc. owners, is uh, we wish we'd had a Drama Inc. when we were coming up. Mm. Because I got out of theater school and got an agent right away mm-hmm. and went on my first audition and didn't even know how to do a sign-in sheet. Like, didn't, oh, wow. didn't know how to sign in. They don't teach oh, wow. you any of that stuff. Oh, wow. I was like, this is crazy. Why? You didn't prepare us for... It's the simplest you know, things. Right. It's the um, simplest things. But theater school was great. Um... I'm glad I did it. It really helped launch me in New York uh, at 20, 21 years old. Um, but yeah, I, I don't regret not going to college. I don't. I don't think I ever ever have. My hangups about not going to college were were people's perception, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I thought, oh, I missed this great experience, right? right? The four years experience. I never because artists' paths are so different, yeah. and and I don't know, I. Well, I think it's creatives in general because we are, we have such a, I have this thing right up here, um, right under the picture of me and my girlfriend. I was in church, like I was what, 12 or 13 and I love space. Space has been just one of the things that I've always been drawn to. I was going to be a scientist when I was younger, um, right above the little redhead kid you'll see. So there's a space and I was like. Let's just draw like stars and things. But in the middle, Deepak Chopra, I believe, is the one that said, We are all sparks of the divine. So then I was like, That's pretty cool, sparks of the divine. Like, if you believe in a higher power, so such things. But being a piece of that divineness, that let's say if we believe in like the creation of the universe in some way, like even the Big Bang, like 
it came from something, you know, mm. something had to happen. Like if you're a part of that, you are, you have that creativity within you. The creativity that flows within this universe is us. So that happens in any way. It doesn't matter who you are. It looks different for some people, but it's like that this creativity is always going to be a part of us. And even mm. people that are very logical, there's creativity within them too. Sure. But the people that are like just fully creative all the time, I think it's wonderful because you get to see so many different looks of life and mm. ideas mm. and dreams. And it's just beautiful to see what can we create or build out of nothing or out of something. I, I think that's really, really cool. And I think that's a testament to creatives. That is just beautiful. Yeah. I, that's the thing that I say when, whenever we do a production or a short film, I'm like, we just created something from nothing. Mm -hmm. We are people who came together with an idea and we, we had follow through, <laughs> um, which is important. Yes. <laughs> um, and we made something and, I've been on the film festival circuit for the last year pretty solidly uh, with four of our short films. Um, and every festival I go to, just, I never get tired of sitting in the theater and hearing people's reaction to something that I wrote or yeah. something that I produced or created or directed. Uh, my film, Mr. Goody, with it stars Randy Havens, mm -hmm. um, I wrote and directed. And it's just, it's not an ego thing at all. It's just... I just love that I get to share this funny little story that I came yeah, up with. Absolutely. And, you know, it was just, I just wanted to write something for Randy and it turned out to be really, the <laughs> execution of it turned out well. I had an amazing group of people that mm -hmm. helped me with it. And it's just fun. It's amazing to to put that out to the universe. Yeah. Well, one of the things as I was growing up, because I used to <clears throat> always do editing and different things, I would just create something that was in my head and I'd always show my mom. So when I lost my mom, mm -hmm. I had, I was in the process of creating, no, I did it as I think like a grief recovery type thing just for myself. I took all the audio that I had from her. She called, <laughs> this is a great story. Uh, she called me in November of 2015. I just gotten the like, Hey, you're going to be an extra on this movie. And she called me and I picked up the phone. She was like, Hey, hang up the phone. And I was like, okay. So she called me back and left me a three minute message. And so in that three minute, three minute message, she was like, Hey, I love you. This is great. You're a wonderful person. Like you have a plan and a path for you. You have a bright light. People are going to attach themselves to you. Some people are here for reasons. Some people are here for seasons. And she just goes on for three minutes. Yeah. So when she passed, I was able to take that audio and some music that I enjoyed at the time, found instrumentals for it, underlaid that. Ugh. When I graduated, uh, somebody took video of it. So I took that and uh. I underlaid that. When she passed, my dad actually called me and I didn't get to answer the phone. So he left a message saying that she had passed away and everything. So it plays out where it's my mom for the first three minutes. Then I had like the tape recorder kind of edit or effects where it's like, like I said, tape stops. Then you hear my dad say she passed and then it goes into her talking to me at my graduation. Ugh. And then towards the end of her life, she was super, super into self-maintenance emotionally because her father was alcoholic and there were a lot of, there was a lot of emotionally abusive people in her mm -hmm. life growing up. Mm -hmm. And even her relationship with my dad, it wasn't, it was never bad, but there was a lot of anger in her heart towards our, her dad mm -hmm. that she kind of brought towards my dad. And so uh, okay. she ended up going to daughters of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. Um, and one of the things they had her do was tell her life story. 
And so she wrote it all out. It was about 30 minutes, 30, 40, 45 minutes. And I recorded it whenever she told it to us before she went to actually present. Cool. And so I recorded that. So at the end, I oh, have wow. her kind of giving like the last little bit of her story. Uh, yeah. So I finished that and I always showed her everything that I did and oh, I wasn't yeah, able yeah, to do yeah. that. Uh, so I felt this kind of pain of like, sure. I don't get to do that anymore. Sure. And so I think one of the things that helped push me to continue to create is to share it to everybody else mm. because wow. like the one person that I always showed it to is no mm. longer here, mm. but like I can give something to somebody else because they may be able to pull from it. They yeah. may be able to find some sort of happiness or some sort of just nuggets of truth or knowledge or happiness or just be able to appreciate what they have. So I don't know. I love that finding that point where like I need to be able to express or share these things that I do and create. Yeah, and we we put that stuff out to the world uh, in in so many different ways, and you never know who you're gonna touch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the interesting thing about art and let's say theater and film and TV and and their critics, right? And I, I say to our students all the time, it's a business of opinions, right? Yeah. You you know, uh, some people love La La Land. I hated it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's opinions, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just how <laughs> this our world works. Yeah. Um, but if you never share it at all. Hmm. It just sits there. It just sits there. It's yeah. just an idea. I mean, so it's interesting. I think the theme tonight is follow through. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Putting it out to the universe. You have to as an artist. You're vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be open. And you just have to go, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. Stand-up comedy, you know, performance art, um, mm-hmm. poetry, whatever. Just release it to the world. And you never know who is going to be affected by it. And what can come from it. And what can come from it. Because... You know, and I never, I never make anything... Or try to produce anything with the idea of a result, right? Right. Um, and I, I, it's, I think that's a, a sure path to mm-hmm. failure. But even, well, I mean, in, in the sense of, like, personally, like, what can come from it? Mm. Like, because you can find a lot of self-healing from things. I had a friend who, um, he was going through a lot of stuff, and he and his band were in the process of recording an album, and they were able to, he was able to put some lyrics into this thing that allowed him to grow from it. I have another friend who wrote a movie, um, and there's a lot of pain and turmoil with his relationship with his mother. And in his script, there's a character with his father, but there's an argument there that he and his mom actually had. Mm. But instead of actually keeping it to what really happened, he was like, well, how would I have wanted that conversation and that argument to end? Uh, yeah, and yeah. so from there, he was able to write what he would have liked to happen. And then he and his mom were able to reconcile, reconcile oh, after oh. like he shared that with her. Huh, so that's yeah, cool. Being able to create, I think, is it's just a deeper place in our subconscious that allows us to go through ourselves and really find self-healing sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And growth. I have a project that um, it's a short film that I wrote. Um, and it's an artist's artist's story. Mm. Um, and I got to page 25 and I have a cast assembled. I've already cast it. Awesome. Um, and we were going to shoot it as a short. And earlier this year I emailed everyone and said, guys, we're not making this short. Mm -hmm. This is a feature film. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm finishing (laughs) up the feature script now. Everyone's anxiously awaiting. Awesome. Um, I keep writing more characters into it, which is a no, no, but, um, (laughs) It's, uh, you know, and it's a, it's a story of a painter um, who 
who is the most talented in his class at school. And it's three years after they've all graduated mm. and everyone's doing really well except for him because he's the true artist and he's just passionate about his work. I based the character on Jean-Michel Basquiat, mm. um, that kind of large, bold uh, painting when when Jean-Michel came out in the in 84 85 when he really hit the art scene in New York with Andy Warhol he was he was so like new mm-hmm. um so i based i based the character on 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 that and just the artist who does the work and follows his passion and just he just he's so prolific he keeps painting and painting and painting but he doesn't he doesn't go schmooze. He doesn't go to the galleries. He doesn't, he doesn't go to the parties and all his friends are trying to get him to go because his work is amazing. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's, uh, <laughs> I love this story and That's I awesome. can't, I can't wait for us to tell it. No, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. What's something going on in Jason's head at the moment? What's something Jason wants to talk about? <laughs> I want to talk about aging. Um, no, uh, no, no, you can't. No, no. We can talk about anything. No, I, it's this is a free flowing con- No, it's con- interesting. Con- I, I will talk about age because I just turned yeah. fifty three. Congratulations! That's yeah, a feat. I mean, yeah. Every day you put your feet on the floor is, <laughs> is a good day. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't get hung up on age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never have. Um, I'm surrounded by younger. You know, a lot of twenty somethings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just amazing to be around that kind of fresh excited energy you know we talked about spencer mumford a minute yeah, ago I was uh, actually saying, yeah. you know and i cast him he was in our on-camera one class and then i just when we were casting bash last year the play um i was just like yeah he's 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 gonna it's gotta be him um and bash i will tell everybody because we talked a little bit about bash on spencer's episode but bash was such a powerful powerful play it was such a powerful story it was amazing yeah and then Casting Alex and Spencer and everyone else is just wow. Yeah, like, I, I oh my gosh. And, and we had a hard time casting because Alex Collins was a producer and um, he brought me the play and mm-hmm. said, "I've been wanting to do this play for fifteen years, and let's can we do it at Drama Inc." And I said, "Yeah." And the day after auditions, or the day of auditions, after everyone left, we we had like all the headshots down on the floor, and it was just like, "Oh my gosh, we've got a a plethora," you know, we've got a, a it's we had so many great people to choose from, mm-hmm. but I think we, I think we cast it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I would I, say that um, by far. Elizabeth Houston was astounding yeah. in that role and Emily Topper. Um, so yeah, but being around people like that and being, and being able to do creative things like that and to, to, I hadn't directed a play in years and it was just so amazing. That was exactly a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just so great to, and sometimes doing things that you think, oh, this is kind of, this is a lot and I'm kind of scared of this. If it scares you, you should do it. Yeah. Um, my wife, Catherine, directed her first film this year um, and our agent, Jason Lockhart, had written it and he brought it to us and said, can you guys produce this? And I want Catherine to direct. And Catherine's like, I've never directed film before. <laughs> and he's like, does it scare you? And she's like, yes. And he's like, then you do it. You do, and she yeah. did. And she was amazing. And again, assembled a great team mm-hmm. of of creative team um to help her through it but she did great and, yeah. and now she's like jones in to do her next one so <laughs> um how do we get off on that what's oh, in jason's aging. head we're talking about aging and then aging aging yeah just things. being yeah. A, just being around creative people i mean i don't again i don't want to poo poo or diss anyone but i couldn't imagine for me mm-hmm. a life in an office i've never had oh, yeah. a nine-to-five job i've <laughs> never had a cubicle job um 
and you know, some people that's they that's where they thrive, and mm-hmm. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it, it would be so confining, and and um, I'm so excited. I never okay. This is the thing. Drama Inc's been open six and a half years. We never call it work. Mm-hmm. We never call it our job. Mm-hmm. We never say going to work. Mm-hmm. I always just say I'm going to the studio. I never don't want to go there. Yeah. Uh, on camera one, we teach. It's a six week class. We taught 12 sessions of it last year. We just finished our 10th, 9th this year. Um, I never get tired of it. Nice. Because I never get tired of people who are excited, mm-hmm. um, who are sponges, mm-hmm. who are creative. And it's just such a positive, positive energy. And it's interesting because the people who aren't positive, the people who have negativity, they fall off. Mm-hmm. They... Mm-hmm. Because we've created an environment that is so uplifting and, and, and is there to, to help raise actors up, not beat them down. Yeah. So anyone who comes in with a negative or an attitude, they, they go instantly like, you know, this isn't the place. It's okay. Yeah, I'm going to go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Go. <laughs> um, just, you know. But yeah, I'm all about, in my head is always, uh, I steal this quote from, um, uh, Pat Mitchell, mm-hmm. who was the head of PBS, the first female CEO of PBS, oh, wow. and she uh, was the head of CNN. Uh, she just wrote a book. I just saw it on her Instagram today. It's a new Ooh. book out. She's uh, a friend of a friend, um, wonderful woman, and she said in her TED Talk, she said, two, t- two kinds of people in life, fountains and drains, mm. and you want to surround yourself with the, the fountains, fountains, right? Yeah. Those people that are spewing and mm-hmm. flowing and... And it, it just sounds like drama is a place where, as a family, you all can fill each other up with creativity and positivity and growth and happiness and love. Yeah. And then that can transpire and grow into other people because, therefore, in fact, you create a community of loving and creative people. And that just flows and it shows because I've everyone that I know that has even interacted with Drama Inc., and they've only said wonderful things. And it's been really nice to see just the people that have come through there because they they look like they're fuller in mm. life like they have a fuller appreciation for everything it's and, nice and acting in general like they can come at acting not just the oh man i got this thing i gotta do i gotta shoot tonight gotta edit oh my god like, oh yeah my. like it's yeah. not it's not a burden yeah it's become something oh, to enjoy oh no, it should not be a burden and yeah and i tell students this too if this is driving you insane if you're pounding your head against the wall if your career is, is keeping you up at night you're crying you're frustrated you can take a break it's mm-hmm. okay Catherine dyer uh took seven years off from acting um you know, and Catherine is one of the biggest bookers in this market of the mm-hmm. last decade. Mm-hmm. But the decade before that, she, it was terrible, and yeah. she stopped acting. So yeah. uh, it's something that if it, it the balance has to be there, right? Yeah, uh, for it's sure. It's going to be frustrating. It's always going to be there's always going to be that side mm-hmm. of it, right? The business side, which is tough. Which is tough, and that's that's one of the things I was going to ask you is balance. How do you find balance in life? Um, um, it's interesting. So this will take us back to aging and health mm-hmm. because, um, I was a, uh, distance runner for 25 years um, oh, wow. and, cool. and coached for the Atlanta track club here. Um, 14 and a half marathons and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of 10 Ks, five Ks and, um, over 25 years. Yeah. And I had an injury two years ago and I've been basically sidelined for two years wow. and it is, it is affected me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, because it was running was my therapy. I never ran with music. I always just ran like with my head clear. I never mm-hmm. took my phone. 
Um, so I've been trying to find the balance through other exercise, but yeah. nothing has quite gotten me yeah. there. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. I, but exercise is important. Mm -hmm. Um, diet's important. Yeah. <laughs> just, but just, I tell you the one thing that I just preach is surround yourself with great people. And if we're talking about the hard stuff in this business, the mm -hmm. really difficult stuff, if you find your tribe, mm -hmm. again, air quotes, uh, if you find your tribe, your community, they can, they can mitigate all that other stuff, right? It can be, we say to our students, you know, get together, find a play and get together and have people over your apartment and do a play reading mm -hmm. or, or do a script, you know, get, grab a script or go into Actors Access and pull some sides off and give yourself a cold read and tape yeah. yourself. You know, there are ways because people are like, oh, class is so expensive. And it's like, there are ways to do it without spending money. Mm -hmm. Just be creative about your creativity. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'm going to put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> be creative about your creativity. creativity. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, but, but community, tribe, and that's one thing that we preach at, at Drama Inc. so much. Uh, and I stole it from Erica Arvald, uh, the casting director, which is uh, community, not competition. Mm -hmm. And I believe that with, you know, like you look at Dave Pileggi, who I love like a brother. Uh, he taught for us for a little bit the first year. He, he helped us set up our social media in the first year. And then he went off and did his thing. And then he, Wendy opened the creative movement, which mm -hmm. I think is fantastic. Yes. And I was there and he had me talk there. Mm -hmm. And I love that he invited me to come do a talk there. And um, I will say that talk was, wow, that like moved me. Just yeah. sitting there listening to you two, like I got choked up. Oh, uh, it was yeah. really good. It was really good. Thank and it you. made me really happy to... Not that I knew you like, okay, let's talk about how amazing you are as a person. Yeah. I work at Stillwell and you came through a lot, but you invited me to your birthday and I was like, I don't know Jason like that. Yeah. But like I got there and you treated me like you had known me for forever and it was such a nice experience and that's where I actually first met Spencer. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And I was like, who's this random wild motherfucker? <laughs> like he's just being crazy. But I was like, I like this kid. And that's where I met Emily. And then um, I know I saw Alex there and I, it was just that circle of people. Yeah. Even though I didn't know everybody, Israel, I met Israel there. Like, uh, it was really uh, neat just to be around all these people that I didn't know, but I felt like I was included. Yeah. And you really, you live including people in your life. And it's really nice. And I appreciate that. Oh, so yeah. being able to sit there and watch you and Dave talk about your relationship with each other and your business relationship and knowing that I am somehow I'm like a part of that. Yeah. Like that was really, yeah. really cool. Yeah. And just to see that friendship and just, it was beautiful. It was really well, beautiful. Thanks. And you know, I think I invited you because I'm big on people's energy and mm -hmm. I pick up on, I just want to be surrounded by great people. And I just knew that you just had a warmth and a genuineness about you that Thank was you. so infectious. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to invite you, you know, um, Catherine was in Los Angeles, so that was the only person <laughs> missing. But it, birthday parties are tricky. I've, I've, some people have been very hurt that I didn't invite. Really? Them, you know, oh, it's like I can cut this out like, if you need me to. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, I did, a, I did a, a small thing this year, mm. and, and I know one of our interns was upset that she didn't get excited, invited, and I was like, oh no. And that one that you came to last year, James Miller wasn't invited. Oh, wow. He had just kind of started getting mm -hmm. in the drumming family, so he wasn't on the list. <laughs> I like... found that, like, I because I just did a big birthday thing for myself this year. I went to Dragon Con with a bunch of people. 
That was Saturday. Sunday had a bunch of people playing video games. And then Monday was my birthday. Monday was Labor Day. Labor Day. Yeah. And so Monday, it was just me, my girlfriend, and my two roommates. And we just hung out. And I knew there were people that I would have loved to have invited. But I knew there were space issues. Yeah. But at the same time, it was like, I know these people need to be around. And like I can just like have a wonderful evening with these yeah. people. And it would have been yeah. wonderful for those people, too. But... The energy to the excess energy to like make sure I'm like oh, I gotta think about all these things is just like what do I need right and like right. how can I gain from this in a positive way and not like everything you have to do has to gain for people but like it was more so I already do a lot let's not make this a task yeah let this yeah, be yeah. something I enjoy yeah yeah um and that's another thing that you know has been in my brain lately is um over committing. Right. Um, I'm trying what? to preach into the choir. <laughs> uh, and actually, someone asked me to come up and speak to at a college in Andersonville, South Carolina next week. Uh, and they had like a small stipend. And I looked at how far away it was. And I was like, you know what? I would love to, but I, I can't. I can't. I can't take a day. Mm. Uh, and I said no. And that's hard for me. It's yes. really hard oh, yes. for me. But on the <laughs> other hand, I was like, that's good because mm-hmm. the end of October and November is going to be insane for me. So mm-hmm. it's like I need that time. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's very, very flattering because I get asked to do a lot of panels and a lot of talks and a lot of, uh, you know, some podcasts and mm-hmm. um, it's flattering. And it's, I hope I have, I hope that my story and I think my story encourages people because my story is a story of perseverance. Mm-hmm. And same, Catherine, our story is, our, is a story together yeah. of two people who uh, were in New York City in our 20s. We moved to L.A. in the 90s and had very little success mm-hmm. uh, and worked in restaurants. Moved back to New York. Worked in, I worked in restaurants. Catherine ended up working at A&E Television hmm. um, when she was, she was out of acting for seven years. And she, she started as assistant at A&E, she was a part-time assistant at Lifetime in Los Angeles in the late 90s. When we, and then when we moved to New York, um, she got a job at A&E, assistant. Then she became, very quickly became a coordinator. And then she became a director and then nice. a manager of documentary programming. She was nominated for an Emmy in 2003. It was well, very exciting. That's wonderful. Um, but not acting. Right, right. right. <laughs> um, so it's a story of perseverance. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you look at Catherine in particular... Her career didn't kick until she moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at her IMDb, and she's got, I don't know, 68 credits or something, close to wow. 70 credits, right? Wow. Acting credits. Yeah. And if you look down at the very bottom, she only had three acting credits uh, prior to 2006 when we moved here. Okay. Right? So she only had three yeah. IMDb credits That's when we moved wild. here. And now she has almost 70. That's wild. Um, you know, she, yeah. it started, her first thing was Army Wives. She booked three episodes and then she booked The Blind Side. And then mm. boom, it's just like one after another after another. And I'm, pr- I'm so proud of her. I'm, I'm proud of her perseverance. I'm mm-hmm. proud of, I mean, both of us. We, we stuck to it because it's what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, as a married couple, I love how you both encourage each other and tell each other or tell everybody else about each other. 
And yeah. I think that's really cool. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that because it drives Catherine crazy sometimes. <laughs> you know, and it's, I mean, social media is this, this thing, right? It's like the mm-hmm. balance between bragging and, and yeah, it's and very weird. It's really, it's a very weird. And for place us, right now. we're, we're sort of, we're promoting our brand at Drama Inc., right? Mm-hmm. Part of posting on our social media is keeping people interested in our studio because, mm-hmm. I mean, we need new students, right? To stay afloat. We Absolutely. Need, so, um, you know, but I pretty much what I post is genuine. It's from the heart yeah. most of the time, um, well, and, and, I'm pr- and I'm proud of her. So if I post something about her, I'm like, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, and that's one of the things is when I first moved up here, because of back at home, I ended up meeting everybody in my home, my whole small town. It was super small. I knew everybody. You could not go five minutes without me walking through Walmart and seeing like, oh, hey, it's Jeremiah. Oh, <laughs> but I had a core group of people that were like, they were my family. Because I have a lot of friends that I call my brothers, and then, like all the girls I call my friends, but like the guys that were like my best friends, I call them my brothers. Mm. And it, the genuinity between everyone was so real. When I moved up here, I was like, I, I have to meet genuine people. Yeah, like that is my yeah. condition of friendship. Like I, you need to be genuine. And I've been so blessed to find that in you and Dave and Spencer and just, and these aren't people that I talk to all the time, right? but we all have this level of understanding where it's just, I may not see you in a while, like Blue, I had him on the last episode. We don't talk to each other every day or every week, but whenever we do pick everything back up, we'll you're right sit back there. Yeah. Everything's amazing. Well, and it's, it's inter- really you're cool. in an interesting position because you work in a, in a successful That's casting it. office. Yes. So you're going to have people... Who want to be friends with you? Yes, for, I have a lot of that too. I'm sure you do, <laughs> and and I know it happens to everyone who's in casting here. You know, a lot of them are very accessible. Uh, my friend Jessica Fox, she's very accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase and Tara are accessible because they're on Twitter, and yeah. you can you know friend them on Facebook. Um, <laughs> and you know, I I can only imagine because so Erica Arvald uh, rented space from us for the first eight months of this year, and oh, nice. I still get her mail and. Um, Someone, oh, Erica, by the way, I have something for you. Someone, <laughs> someone dropped off a gift for her. Oh, wow. And it was like chocolates or something. I have I have it for you, Erica. Um, <laughs> so, but um, I was like, wow, yeah, this is like a bribe, you know? Yes, this is it like, is. And I was, Feldstein Paris did a casting at our place a few years ago, and someone that was auditioning brought it like a big gift basket for them because it was, it was near Christmas, mm-hmm. and Tara was just like... Uh, you know well, I don't know why you know. I, and you know it's nice to get gifts mm-hmm. but we can also see you know from your from your perspective yeah. it's like okay what this actor's kissing my ass yeah right at this point and it's just like mm, so so you have to have you mm-hmm. have to have kind of a, a radar discernment for like, and, discernment's been something I had to learn as a very young because even though I was homeschooled all through our high school I had a bunch of friends that went to public school and I was like, these are my people. And then like some of them started doing crazy stuff. And then some of them start like talking to me. And then there were some that were like always trying to be around me. Mm. And it's just like, all right, we're not doing anything. We're not, we're not growing together. Mm. Like what, what is this? So I definitely fairly quickly had to learn, like I can be friends with everybody, but not everybody can be a part of my life. Yeah, and so that's some that's a real yeah. thing that yeah. I had to learn. That's, that's a good. real thing that I had to that's learn. That's good, yeah. you know. And it's interesting for Claire and Scott and Catherine and myself. Uh, we get a lot of people who come through Drama Inc. and we're very warm and we're very friendly, but they're not necessarily 
you know, part of the, I don't know, inner circle sounds so uh, clickish. Clickish. But, but I know what you mean. But like, you know, the family, uh, family people who is, work yeah. with us or, or interns. And then we get a lot of like, hey, would you mind if I could take you out for coffee and pick mm-hmm. your brain about stuff? And it's like, yeah. you know, it's it's mm-hmm. just it's this fine line. And there, there are people that we really want to help. And there are people that we know that are financially strained. And we we never, ever, ever publicize or, or talk about um, our scholarships at Drama Inc. We have a scholarship fund. We don't advertise it. We don't announce it. Mm-hmm. We, give, we give them out um, quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're very... We have. I'm glad all four of us are in the same of the same mind with that. You know, um, if there's someone who's struggling, we're gonna help them. You know, if if someone is taking class with us, someone we know, and they're Mm -hmm. like, I I had someone in my advanced class say to me this week, she's like, I'm really tight this month. I'm like, then don't worry. You know, just yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah, I'm I'm not relying on your ninety five (laughs) dollars. You know, it's like it's not gonna break me. So, um, and it's true. You know, we have a very philanthropic mind. We, um, Catherine started something called DI Gives Back, which is mm. Drama Inc. Gives Back. Um, we're doing our th- fourth Habitat for Humanity at oh. the end of this month. Nice. Um, we've done three or four times with Atlanta Community Food Bank. Um, we did, uh, we've done a bunch, a bunch of stuff, um, which is great. And, and again, not like to toot our horn, but right. but but we we have benefited from from uh, this business, um, and we we want to find ways to give back to the community. Back we to, yeah. collect food every year for Lifeline Animal Project, cat and dog food. We've done that in the last four years, um, and I mean we just got a massive amount last year. It's really nice. great. So we just take that over to the shelter, and like I said, Catherine and I for Atlanta Lab Rescue. So. Um, yeah, it's you know it's part of I think it's part of. It's part of giving back, mm. uh, and I don't understand people who who don't think that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give me everything; I can take it all. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just—it's just not how I'm wired. I mean, yeah. I've never been motivated by money, which is not a great thing. But... No, I agree with that. <laughs> like, because I, I'm like, oh, I've got what I need, yeah. but then I'm like, oh, I should probably a little bit strive for a little bit more. Yeah. But I'm like, but I'm good. Yeah, like, I'm happy. I'm fine. I'm it's content like, with where I am. You know, there are people that are driven by the almighty dollar and God bless them. You know, mm-hmm. if that's what brings them happiness, if that brings them joy, then, then great. But um, it's never been about money for me. Yeah. Uh, it's been about creating and sharing the passion with like-minded people. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. Jason. Yes. Now's the time of the podcast where we have our previous guest who I usually never mention in the podcast, but if you, the listener, have been paying attention, I mentioned them. Um, our previous guest has asked you a question. Okay. For those of you who didn't hear who our previous guest was, you should probably go back to the last episode and listen to it, because it's pretty good. All right. Jason? Yes. Our question from our last guest okay. is, what is your most embarrassing moment? Most embarrassing moment. Yes. I will say you're lucky, because usually we have very deep life Pondering questions, and this is the first one in a long time. That's not crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, um, what did I do that was really stupid? I've done a lot of really stupid things. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it's funny. Okay, I don't know if this counts, but um, I was just telling the story to Catherine the other day in. 
1995 or 96, I did a short film in L.A. called The Jacket. Okay. Okay. Oh. And I was talking. I was telling Kevin the story because I was talking about how green an actor I was on film and t- film. Yeah, and I was playing a cop, LAPD, jump out of the car, uh, pointing guns, gang members, <laughs> all this stuff, and uh, we there was all this dust from when we rolled in, and it was like covering us. And I thought they're just gonna they're not gonna use this take, so I stopped. And I spiked the lens. I looked right into the camera. Oh, wow. And they cut. And the first AD just freaked out on me. He's like, don't you ever, ever, ever look in the camera. Don't you ever stop a take. Uh, We're resetting. Everyone, back to one. Get that car back there. Oh, don't wow. ever. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, I just, I thought, how could you see? There's like all this dust. Right, this stuff. right. So, I don't know. It's pretty, it was embarrassing because it was, uh, the woman who wrote it, uh, worked for Sony, and so they had Sony had loaned all the equipment. Like they had, like oh, it was a big wow. ass like short film production. Yeah, um, and um, it was a really bad film, by the way. Um, <laughs> interesting side note on that: the young lady who played my partner uh, was dating the director. So, oh wow, uh, okay. he was powwowing with her a lot. Mm-hmm. And at one point, the first AD came over <laughs> and he said, "Peter." That ball in the sky, he was pointing at the sun. Uh-huh. That ball in the sky, when it's gone, we're done. We can't shoot anymore. <laughs> I was like, let's get going. <laughs> we need basically to get saying we're losing light. Yes. But he was absolutely. like, that ball in the sky. I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty wound up. <laughs> that's wonderful. I guess it was embarrassing. It was an no, embarrassing that's, actor that's story. Embarrassing. Um, I would say it's embarrassing. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> Now is the time of the podcast where you get to ask our next guest a question. Okay. It can be anything. It can be funny, smart, thought-provoking. It won't be any of those Whatever things. Whatever you want. No. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't ask them how their day has been. How you doing? <laughs> Seen any good movies? Um, I'm going to say this uh, to the person who's on the next podcast. What do you think that you can do to make the world a better place? Nice. I love that. Because I got to say, at the end of the day, and I've said this before to some classes, it's like, we may not change the world, but maybe we can nudge it a little bit in the right direction. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whatever you think the right direction is. Uh, (laughs) In this country right now, that's a a loaded question. I I think I had a question similar to this, one of the first few episodes, um, and I thought about it. And then I was, I just started dating Lee at the time. And I was like, I wouldn't change the world. I would change the people around me. Not change them, but I would influence them to make change. Because if I can get you to understand the capability of amazingness that you have that you can share and impress onto someone else, they can impress that on somebody else or five people. And then mm-hmm. that, those five people can go on to impress these 20 people and then go on and go on. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on how you look at it. It's the same thing, but like, yeah. I mean, kindness, we need more of it in the world. We need need more understanding. We need more compassion. And, and, you know, we're not going to get political here, but it's, it's disturbing to see how some people have become so rigid and isolationist and, and, Mm. you know, you're not like me, so we don't like you. Yeah. And and I thought that attitude had, you know, gone away, right? Not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently there are still people (laughs) who hold on to that. And I think those people, 
it may be a generational thing and a lot of it's fading away mm-hmm. hopefully i mean i look at tv and film and commercials and i don't think it's perfect by any means but it's gotten better as mm-hmm. far as representing what this country looks like yeah i think commercials have been better at it mm-hmm. than anything else mm-hmm. um, for sure you know embracing diversity and embracing you know people from different walks of life and different cultures and different different uh orientations and uh and i think that's just the way we're we're moving uh we're moving in that direction in your generation in the next 20 years it's going to be the norm yeah for sure but for now we're in this place where we're fighting the old guard right the people who are like no you men can't marry men you know it's like get out of here um but it's okay so (laughs) you know i think as america changes the face of america changes um we become a more diverse nation. Hopefully, that's going to bring us together rather yeah. than put us up, set us apart. Nice. So. Awesome. Jason, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been Perspectives with Jason McDonald and Jeremiah Stevenson. You can find me on Instagram at ParkourGeek, P-A-R-K-O-U-R-G-3-3-K. You can also find me on YouTube at A Token Stake, A-T-O-K-E-N apostrophe S-T-A-K-E. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. But uh, if I don't know you, I'm not going to fucking add you. (laughs) Jason, what would you like to plug um, among yourself and other things? Um, Hey, Jason McDonald, (laughs) you can find me on Instagram, Atlanta J Mac. Um, And I'm on Facebook, and I might accept you if we have some mutual friends. I don't know. We'll see. I do have a fan page, but I haven't added anything to it. I was actually thinking about starting a fan page recently. I was like, I might do that. I don't um, think I will because I won't put any effort into it. It's just like you can't find me, but like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are about to launch our Drama Inc. Films uh, website. That's dramainkfilms.com. Um, I was just looking at it before I came over here. So check that out because it's so cool. I'm so proud of it. And there's trailers for our film, Mr. Goody, and Stripped, and Photobomb. And then there's full versions of our films, Pinky Slip. And uh, Colorblind, which won the Audience Award at Atlanta Film Festival in 2018. And there's a full version of Ditched, which was uh, a film I wrote that um, has won some awards, too. So dramainkfilms.com. Much more to come from from that. And, um, yeah, just, you know, be good to each other, peeps. Uh, And follow through. (laughs) The theme of the episode. Follow through. through. (laughs) Yes. Well, Uh, that has been all for Perspectives. Anything else you want to add? Um, eat your vegetables (laughs) (laughs) well that is all for this episode of Perspectives be love, be life, be love